afternoon. Good to be back again. Um, I told Christy Wilbanks today I won't forget to dismiss you guys before I start messing with all my stuff so that way I don't get nasty looks uh, and, and beat up after church because then we might have to practice some of this uh, peacemaking things that we're trying to teach y'all. Um, <clears throat> last week, or sorry, last month, Lewis spelled out, you know, if you look at your pamphlet, on that first side it says the peacemaker's pledge and then it says a commitment to biblical conflict resolution. And he walked through, he had three main points, but two of them that I want to remind everybody of is one, that, uh, that biblical conflict resolution and peacemaking gives us the opportunity to show love to our fellow brothers, and it also it helps transform us into the image of Christ. And then the other thing that he reminded us of is that the ultimate act of conflict resolution was completed by Christ on the cross, that we didn't have to live knowing that there was no solution to the eternal conflict that we had with God as enemies of God before salvation. So I just think that that is extremely important for us to... Um, to remember as we go forward. I'll be on the second side of that page where it says the four G's of peacemaking. And that's the title of this message, the four G's of peacemaking. <clears throat> so what I want to do is I want to start out with a passage. Um, I'm not going to exegete this passage word for word. I'm going to point out a couple things. And then I'm going to walk through these four G's of, of, of peacemaking. The reason why I chose this passage in Colossians chapter 3, so you can get there in your Bibles while I'm kind of talking to this, Colossians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 5, is because I think that this passage encapsulates every aspect of these four G's. And so I think it does a really good job of walking it through. So I want to read the passage, and I want to briefly talk through putting off renewing the mind and putting on, and then I want to dive into these to these four uh, peacemaking G's. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 5. It says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection or passions, evil um, concupiscence or, or evil desires, evil lusts, and covetousness, which is idolatry, from which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these things, all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication of your mouth. Lie not to one another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, compassion, right? That's another way to say that. Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. And here's what I want you to pay attention to. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness or completeness. So what we see here is kind of a laying out of 
hey, stop doing these things. Know that you're renewed in your mind, renewed in the knowledge which we get from God, and we get from God in, in salvation and as our, in our time in the Scripture. So we not only know what is bad, right? So if we read all those things, we would all shake our head up and down. Yes, those are bad things. We don't need to do those things. And then we know what is good so that when, when we, from Scripture, that way when we read this list in Scripture of the things that we should put on, we know that, okay, that's what the Lord wants us to do instead of these things. So I paint a picture like it's a sandwich. You can't just put off and put on. Because if you do that, you just have two pieces of bread, you slap them together, and you have a sandwich, right? Two pieces of bread. That's it. Nothing in the middle. Who wants that sandwich? Nobody. None of us want that sandwich. The renewal of your mind is the mayonnaise and the mustard and the lettuce and the tomato and the meat and the cheese. And then you put it together, and then you have a sandwich. If you don't renew your mind... You will not put off and put on. You will stop and start and start. You will, sorry, stop and start a behavior and then go back to the behavior that you stopped. You'll create a vacuum. Why do you need to renew your mind? Because when it's saying renew your mind here, it's talking about a heart change. That's the process of biblical change. It's not about, you know, Brother Davis today in his prayer said, Lord, if you wouldn't save me, I would be in the bar smoking cigarettes. So we don't just quit smoking cigarettes and then say, okay, I'm going to not smoke cigarettes. And then a few days later down the road, what happens? Well, life is hard. We feel the pressure and we want to do the thing that we stopped doing. So we say, but I don't want to smoke cigarettes. So I'm going to get the canned tobacco, the dip, and I'm going to dip. Well, is that any better? Some people are shaking their head. Well, heck yeah, Brother Kale, that's awesome. No, it's not awesome. <laughs> it's just stopping one thing for another thing. Let me ask, let me put it to you this way. Maybe we'll understand it more. If I'm doing methamphetamines and I say I need to stop doing methamphetamines and I don't do anything to change my heart and change my desire to not do it. And later on down the road, I figure, well, meth had me going crazy and I was just out of control. So I'm going to switch to heroin. Now everybody's tracking, right? You can't, it's just, you can't stop one thing, not make it, and then try to do another thing, right? And that was the problem in my life, I know personally, and I bet you all, all of us have a testimony of, I tried quitting this one thing, but didn't get my heart right with the Lord, and then I tried, and then I ended up doing another thing, right? And so, through the renewing of our mind and the Word of God and through the Spirit, what, what even what Brother Lewis was talking about today, how the Holy Spirit illuminates and He exposes, right? That's the whole thing here. We're, he, the, the Word of God tells us how to live right, when we're not living right, how to get right, and how to stay right. That's, that's 2 Timothy 3.16 in a nutshell. That's, that's Robert's paraphrase. And so we need to know those things. So I want to highlight a couple things in here. So it tells us some things to put off. And when it comes to peacemaking, listen to this part right here. Verse 8, but now ye also put off these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication of your mouth. Lie not to one another. Then that you put off the old man. Do you think that those things that he just mentioned in that list would be helpful when you're trying to do conflict resolution from a biblical perspective? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You can't do conflict resolution if you're going angry and with malice in your heart just trying to prove your point and crush the other guy because you were right and they were wrong. And so we see then in verse 10, he says, put on the new man, 
which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So we're, we're created in the image of God and we're trying to be conformed into the image of Christ. Well, how do we do that? Well, we learn of Christ. We get close to Christ. Last week I talked about building our house on the rock and um, doing that by obedience to the word. Well, that's how you learn how to put off, change your heart and have a heart for the Lord and then put on. And then he says in verse 12, it says, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Bowels of mercy, again, that's compassion, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. Verse 13, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has any quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Man, that is the answer, right? So putting off all of those other things, renewing our mind in the Word, knowing what to do, knowing how to act, and then putting on these other things. Because I don't know about you, if somebody came to me with kindness, humbleness, compassion, meekness, long-suffering, wanting to forbear me in my discrepancies and to um, show me mercy and to forgive me, I would be more in line with trying to want to work with that person now. Does it always work out that way? Absolutely not. It doesn't. Conflict resolution is hard. It's tough. I I am counseling uh, individuals right now who are trying to work through conflict resolution with people who don't want to work with them. And it's it's horrifying to see what a what a what conflict can do within the family confine. And then I'm also um counseling family members and uh marriages where conflict resolution is not coming easy and it is wreaking havoc on their their married life and on their family life to the point where some of these individuals aren't speaking anymore and they are far from each other, as Scripture likes to say. And it's sad. It breaks my heart. So I want to walk through these four Gs, kind of just spell out a couple things for you, and then I want to assign four words to each one of these four Gs so that you have um, kind of like a, you don't have to memorize the whole 4G portion, but you can remember one word and just kind of think through these things as, as a Christian, as a believer in Christ. So number one, the first G is to glorify God. Well, what does that mean? <clears throat> well, scriptures, I'm glad you asked because <laughs> if it was up to me, I wouldn't have the answer and you guys would be in trouble because if any of you think you should renew your mind and what Robert thinks, let me tell you, please don't. Um, but it's a good thing that the Lord has given us these things. 1 Corinthians 10.31. 1 Corinthians 10.31 tells us exactly what this looks like to glorify God. It says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. doesn't matter what we're doing. If I'm a burger flipper at McDonald's, I'm doing it to the glory of God. If I'm a, I'm a, if I'm an ER nurse, I'm doing that to the glorifying of God. If I'm trying to figure out what career path I'm going down, um, that I'm going to try to factor in how can I glorify God in my career path. Um, if I'm parenting, how can I glorify God in my parenting? Whatever we do, that means everything. Turn over a few pages to 2 Corinthians 5.9. Everybody knows this passage, right? Everybody, It's on everybody's license plates. It's on bumper stickers. It's on coffee mugs, T-shirts. The football players put it on their eyeliner. Uh, you know, it's everywhere. It's, 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 almost, uh, it's almost like cliche 
right? Because people don't take it serious. That's the sad part of it. Second Corinthians 5, 9. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. And that part that says we labor, that means we make that our ambition. We reach and we stretch ourselves to the most exhausting points of stretching to make sure that we're going to do things that are pleasing to him, that we're going to glorify him. It is our number one heart's desire. Glorifying God is not a heart that's focused on me. It's not your heart focused on you. It's a heart that's focused on he. It's a heart that's focused on him. You don't focus on others. You don't focus on yourself. You don't focus on the circumstances or the situation. But it's so unfair. How many times do we hear people say that? It's so unfair. Why did this happen to me? Where was God when fill in the blank? That's not a heart that's set on glorifying God. That's a heart that's set on yourself and comfort and what's going to happen to the people who wronged you. So turn to Psalm chapter 37. I'm going to walk through, I'm going to read the first eight verses, and then I want to walk through the practical application of what it looks like to glorify God in conflict and trial and how you can focus on just God because the psalmist does a really good job of doing that here. Psalm 37. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. It says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Don't worry about the evildoers. That's the first thing out of this guy's mouth. You've been done wrong? Okay. Don't worry about what he did. Don't worry about that guy or that person, that girl. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the, as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked uh, devices to pass. And cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise do, or in any wise to do evil. So what do we see here as application to glorifying God? Number one, don't worry about people. Don't worry about them. Are people going to do you wrong? Are you going to be in some bad circumstances or situations because of other people? 1,000% yes. Why? Lewis mentioned it last time. It's because we live in a fallen world. Nobody here is perfect. And brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. As believers, we will make mistakes against other believers. We will sin against our brother. That's the whole purpose of us going through this is because that happens. It's not because we just think it might happen. We're trying to prepare you. This isn't a preventive maintenance. This is operational maintenance. This is maintenance that needs to be done and taught so that we can focus on the Lord and do it right so that we can live in a way that is worthy of the calling that he's called in our lives. (laughs) So that's the first one. We see that in verses 1 and 2. And in the second half of verse uh, 7, he says, fret not. I like that. Fret not. Don't worry. 
No, not the stupid little song, don't worry, be happy, right? We know that doesn't work. That's cheesy. The Lord is telling us, don't worry about this guy, this person, this woman, this this situation at work, these bosses that you have. In Psalm 119, I've been going through that, you know, for my quiet time. And this week I'm in the third stanza. And towards the end, I think it's in verse 23, it says, though princes... Or even though princes sit and talk against me, princes meaning the leaders, your boss, the president, all of this leadership, all these people that are in charge and have great influence over things, even though they sit and talk against me, he says, your servant will meditate on your word. And then he goes on to say, your word is also my delight. Your word is my counselor. And the Hebrew word there for counselor is a a, a counsel of many men. God's word is our counsel of many men. Why? Many men wrote the Bible inspired by God. But this is God's counsel to us. That's what we should be worrying about. Number two, we see trust in the Lord. Verses three and five in Psalm 37, one through eight. Who do you trust? Do you have to make it right for yourself to prove yourself right, to vindicate yourself? Or can you let, can you let the Lord work it out? And we're going to keep we're going to keep building on this, right? This isn't just like a hey, somebody does you wrong, turn the other cheek and walk away. The Lord's going to sort it out. There's other things that we're going to get to that we can do. And then number three, do good, commit your way to the Lord, decide that you're going to live in a way that glorifies Him instead of glorifies yourself. Stop being self-centered and become God-centered, God's word-centered, Christ-centered, gospel-centered. Delight in the Lord, rest in Him. Wait patiently for him. All those things. I love that passage when it comes to conflict resolution. So good. So packed with so many good and wonderful things. And listen to what it says here. In verse 4, it says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. If you want peace... Trust in the Lord and he'll bring that peace one way or the other. It might not be peace between you and that person because that person has a choice to make to to respond correctly and do conflict resolution. But you can have peace that you did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Again, my studies in Psalm 119, I'm reminded of a verse that says, it says in verse 5, Psalm 119, 5 says, "Oh Oh, may my ways be established by your word so that I'll keep your words, so I'll keep your statutes, it says. And then in verse 6, it says, then I won't be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. You have a clean conscience. You don't have to worry about, well, he sinned against me and then I sinned against him, but I want him to tell me he's sorry first. I want him to do what's right by me first. Then maybe if he does it right, I might do it. Two, well, that takes us to the second G. Get the log out of your eye. G number one, glorify God. G number two, get the log out of your own eye. What does that mean? Here's what the Bible's saying. If you have this big log in your eye, and it's protruding, guys, this isn't even doing it justice. I'm talking about a telephone pole, okay? And then I come up with tweezers, to Molly Gooch, and I say, well, you sinned against me. And I try to reach in there with tweezers with this massive log in my eye. 
Am I going to be able to get that out of her eye? Absolutely not. I'm going to hit her with the log in my eye. It's just a picture here, but here's what it's saying. You can't even see what's going on, really, because you got your own mess to look at. You have your own issues. So you need to get the log out of your own eye. So here's where that's at. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Starting in verse 1. Judge not that ye be not judged. And everybody wants to stop, right? Oh yeah, don't judge me because I don't want to judge you and you can't judge me because I can't judge you. Well, that's not what it, that's not, that's not the end. For with judge, with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote, the log that is in your brother's eye, or sorry, the, the splinter that's in his eye, but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the splinter, the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote of your brother's eye. Verse 5 says it all. You can't see clear enough to see what's going on, what they've done wrong, until you clear out what you've done wrong. Why, why does it say it like that? Because that stops us from just telling people, fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it, and giving us an escape to continue to sin and do what we want to do and not have to make it right and not have to do our own conflict resolution. So when we're able to do that, <clears throat> what does that show? It shows humility, number one, because it says, hey, okay, this is a bad situation. You've sinned against me. Here's how I've sinned against you. Please forgive me. And then that person has a chance to respond now, right? And that person can either respond with, yeah, you're right. This is foolish. Please forgive me too. I love you. That wasn't my heart for you. Or they can respond with, yeah, right. You did all this. This is all your fault. I only sinned because you sinned first, right? That goes back to (laughs) that whole thing right back in the garden, right? Who told you you guys ate the fruit? Who told you what was going on? What was that woman that you gave me? And then the man was, you know, or in the, but it was the serpent. I've been reading in Exodus for, <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh because it just cracks me up. In biblical counseling and the narrative, we're reading the story of Exodus. And when Aaron creates the golden calf, the verse says that he, he said, Moses says to him, what's going on? Why are you doing this? What are you, what are you guys thinking? He goes, you know, I'm paraphrasing. He says, Moses, I don't know. I just threw all that gold in the fire and out came the cow. You know what I mean? And it's just like, are you, like, I just wonder what the Lord thinks of our excuses sometimes. What's going through his mind when we just state why we do what we do and we think, man, that was the best defense ever. I need to be Perry Mason. I need, I need a TV show. <clears throat> so it shows that we're humble and it shows that we love the other person. But brothers and sisters, more than that, it connects right back to number one. We're glorifying God. Why? Go to Matthew 5, 4. Matthew 5, 4. It says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, you could say blessed are those that mourn over death or, you know, other things. That's, that's fine. That would work. But really what he's saying is, blessed are those who mourn over their sins. Blessed are those who feel 
biblical guilt and shame associated with the sins that they've committed because they'll be comforted. Why? Why will we be comforted? Because Christ forgave us. Because Christ died for us. Because Christ paid the price for those sins. Because we can be forgiven. Because we've been forgiven, we can forgive much. And when we forgive, we show love. And when we show love, we actually are showing that we love God more than we love ourselves. And we love our neighbor more than we love ourselves. And that's the two greatest commandments, right? All right, sermon over. We can go home, right? That's it. I covered two, I covered the two commandments. Is it done day? Brother Davis said, no, you guys are in for another hour. <clears throat> First John chapter one, verses eight and nine. Everybody knows this passage, but it's so good. And you, you know why I think everybody knows this passage? Because it's that good. Because it's that important. Because it's that crucial of a principle for us to remember. It says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. In the process of getting the log out of our own eye, we will see that we have issues and we need to go to the Lord to get forgiveness. And when we do that and that burden of the guilt associated with our own sin is lifted, then we will see clearly on how to approach our brother and work through these things biblically. Glorify God. Get the log out of your own eye. And the next one, gently restore. Gently restore. If we go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Ephesians 4, 29. Just so you know, too, just by way of kind of connecting everything, if you read Ephesians 4 from about 17 to 29, or 17 to 32, I'm sorry. <clears throat> that is a really good biblical walkthrough of the process of biblical change. It's, it's, it talks about putting off the old, renewing your mind, putting on the new, and it gives examples clear as day on how to do that and what, what it really looks like. You know, just, you have to stop doing this and, and they, it, it explains the renewing of the mind for the reason why we don't do those things. And then it tells you what you need to put on. And so it's a really good walkthrough. If, if you're looking to help counsel people or just minister to people who are struggling with things, that's a really great place to go if they need it. Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the house I'm sorry, which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Gently restore ministering grace. Another passage, um, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2, verse 24 24 to 26. And the servant of the Lord must not strive but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, pre-adventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So again, we see this correcting and this helping one another in a sense of being gentle and compassionate and, and patient, not... You did this wrong, and if you don't fix it, then one, two, three is about to happen. And we start laying down the law, and we start we start trying to become the Holy Spirit and drive somebody's heart to do what we want them to do. Again, right, we, we can hear that as I'm saying it out loud. That's self-centered. <clears throat> and so 
we are called to edify the body, to lift each other up. Go to uh, Romans 14.9. Sorry, sorry, 14.19. Romans 14.19, and then I'll move into the last point. says in Romans 14, 19, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify one another. To gently restore, you need to keep in mind that you're doing this to build people up. We're not doing it to crush and tear people down. As believers, we don't hold grudges and we have to have a Ephesians 4, 1 to 3 attitude. Okay, for time's sake, y'all write down Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, and for, for the gently restored, let that be some application for you. Just It's another reminder of what we've already been reading of, being gentle and patient and loving, keeping the bond and the unity of peace, unity within this church, right? It, how bad would it be for something small to fracture the church because people didn't want to keep the peace because they wanted to stand on themselves and how right they think they are? And it tells us in that passage as well to forbear. Some things aren't as bad as we think they are. Sometimes we just take things personally. I'm not saying that that counts every single time. That's why it's good to go and talk to somebody and say, hey, this is going on between me and -and so-and-so. I can't make sense of it. I really feel like they did something really horrible to me. Can you help me make sense of it? Okay, well, let's let's lay it on the table. And really what it comes down to is sometimes our preferences, preferences aren't met. And when that happens, we can all get angry. And it's not even really that somebody sinned against us. It's just that we would have done it a different way and you didn't do it that way and you didn't ask me my way. So you must not love me. You don't care about me. And we start making all these assumptions and we start making all these um, accusations and we jump to these really harsh um, conclusions. And that's not the way it is. When in actuality, guess what, brothers and sisters? There's no such thing in the Bible as preference-driven theology. There's no such thing. People try to think that, though, and we live like that sometimes, but there is no such thing. There's God-centered theology. There is Christ-centered theology. There is biblical theology, but a self-Robert preference theology, no such thing. And, and for all of us, let's be grateful that there is not a Robert Kale preference theology, right? Brother Davis shook his head, yes, so I'm getting through to somebody. <laughs> and the last one, go and be reconciled. Matthew chapter 5, <clears throat> verses 23 and 24. And I really want to really want to harp on this, this little word, this little two-letter word. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. <clears throat> Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift. At, um, leave there, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come offer thy gift. So, in verse twenty-four, it says, "Go, you go immediately. You don't sit and finish what you're doing. You don't sleep on it, because guys." What happens when we do that? Go back to Ephesians chapter 4, that biblical change process that I started trying to tell you guys about. And for extracurricular reading, I would highly recommend it. We give the devil a foothold. That's why it says, don't be angry and sin. Don't go, ang- go, don't go to bed angry. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Because it says directly after that, so that the Satan won't have his foothold. 
so that sin's not creeping at the front door, Genesis chapter 4, looking to come in and wreck your life. We go and we be reconciled. That's a commandment. That's not a Robert Kaleism. That's not a Lewis thing. That's not a pamphletism. That is a biblical mandate from God the Father to us as his children to go and be reconciled. I can't tell you how many times, and it crushes me, it makes me so sad to see and watch families fall apart because one person on either side won't go and be reconciled. I'm just going to wait for him. I want him to do it. Well, I didn't really do that much wrong. Or the worst one ever. We're not going to talk about it. It'll just go away on its own and things will work themselves out. If I had a dollar for every time, I could build a house. I could build a house. Passivity is a hindrance to go and be reconciled. Do not be passive. If you want to know what the Bible has to say about passivity, I challenge you to Google what does the Bible say about passivity, and you will get your answer. And it will be a biblical answer because if you open up the one website that I know will pop up because I have Googled it many a times, it says open Bible. What does the Bible say about passivity? All it is is a list of Bible verses that tell you what God thinks about a passive person and how passivity will never, ever, ever be living the Christian life according to God's word. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, this is one of Lewis's favorite passages. I love this passage. It might be that just because biblical counselors, we use it at least, I, I probably use it with every counselee, to be honest with you, at least once. Philippians chapter 2, 3 and 4, if you go to be reconciled, you're not being selfish. If you're being selfish, that's one of the things that stops you from going to be reconciled. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And then verse 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. You want to be Christ-like? Don't think of yourself first. You want to be conformed to the image of Christ? Go and be reconciled when you make a mistake. Go and be reconciled when you haven't made a mistake and somebody has made a mistake against you. It's okay for you to go to a brother and say, hey, brother, what you did really hurt me. Can you help me make sense of this? Where, where, where's your heart at? You don't even have to go and say, hey, you better ask me for forgiveness or you'll be going to hell. <laughs> Right? That's not how it works. But hey, brother, I don't understand why you did this. Can you walk me through that? It's just being gentle. It's just being compassionate. It's showing that you love them. And you don't want there to be a difference between you two. So what's the application for go and be reconciled? I'm not going to read the whole thing, but turn in your Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. This is that ministry of reconciliation. And I think it's awesome too because in the same chapter we, we find 2 Corinthians 5, 9, and 10. You know, we, we, we strive to do everything to, for, for His glory. We do that because we know we're going to stand in front of the judgment seat. And then it says some things and then, and then we get to this verse in 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all new things are come. 
That's because of Christ. That's not because of me and you. That's not, and we all know that, right? I'm not sharing anything mind blowing right now. This isn't like new material. And all things are of God, it says, who reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And he gave us the ministry of reconcile. That word ministry means that we are to walk along one another and reconcile with one another and help others reconcile with other people and help for non-believers in our life to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, to proclaim that to them. We can reconcile, we can go and be reconciled because God reconciled, because Christ reconciled, because it's an example that we see clearly in Scripture. So in closing, I told you I'd give you four words. So for the first G, glorify God, it's real easy. The word is glorify. Glorify. Number two, get the log out of your eye. That word is sanctify. Sanctify, because it's a process of sanctification for you to be able to seek the Lord before you go to, you know, Get somebody to do what you want to do because they did you so wrong and say, Lord, before I go approach this brother, is there anything in my heart that I need to seek forgiveness for? Because you're allowing God's word to sanctify you. Number three, gently restore. And I told you we had to do that in gentleness and meekness and humility and and in a way that shows love and builds up. Glorify, sanctify. Number three, gently restore, edify. Edify one another. Edify the church. Edify your wife. Wives, edify your husband when you need to approach him for reconciliation. Or husbands to your wives. Fathers to your children. Mothers to your children. Edify. Build up. And then go and be reconciled. The last one, magnify. Magnify Christ. Be a witness for Christ. Because he reconciled us to the Father. Lewis said it, I'm I'm just copying it because it fits well and I didn't have to think of it. It made it a little bit easier for me. The, The greatest act of reconciliation has already been taken care of on behalf of Jesus Christ. Glorify, sanctify, edify, magnify. And that is FYI, right? For your information. Come on, that was funny. All right, that was a dad joke. I'm sorry. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have loved us enough to leave us a biblical mandate on how to to pursue peace. Lord, it's hard when people sin against us. It's hard when we sin against others to for, for all parties involved to go make things right according to your word. And so, Lord, may we be a church that seeks to glorify you, as our our loving Heavenly Father and sustainer and creator of all things. Lord, may we seek your word to be sanctified in your word and in truth. May we seek to grow closer to you uh, through these processes and therefore be sanctified. Lord, may we do this in a way that edifies others, that we would lift each other up, that we would build each other up, that we would... Um, encourage and love one another the way that you have commanded us to. And Lord, mostly would we magnify your son, Jesus Christ, and the work that he has done on the cross for those of us that believe and have confessed him, Lord. May we show others the great need of a savior that they have if they don't have that in their life. And may we do that by our witness for Christ being intact and by us magnifying him. 
And Father, we love you and we need you. And we're so grateful that you have given us direction through your word. Be with us this day, Lord, as we travel home. Give us traveling mercies and uh, give us a, a good day of rest, Lord, so that we can think on these things and, and put them in our hearts, Lord, so that we may live them out in our, our, our life this week. We say all of this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.